Hi, I'm Christy, the Director of Missions, and we are so excited that today is Inspire Sunday. Missions are a part of our DNA here at TFRC, and we value missions, and we put an extremely high priority on the mission of God, which is sharing the hope of Jesus. Today we're going to share how we respond to that call of the mission of God, and I've asked our mission partners to be a part of this, and they will be joining us on Facebook live stream in the comments, so keep a lookout for them there. If you are one of our mission partners and are on our Facebook live stream, then go ahead and identify yourself so people can connect with you. TFRC has such a rich history of missions here at TFRC, and we can't possibly share all of it with you today, but we're going to give you a glimpse of the legacy of TFRC. Yeah, last week we kicked off our Kingdom of God series, um, and we emphasized that the Kingdom of God is here and now. God is at work. And one place you can see that clearly is in the realm of missions, impacting the world in the name of Jesus. And that has always been a part of TFRC. Um, in, the live stream, in the live stream discussion, uh, just share um, how you have been involved in TFRC missions. Many, many, many of you have been a part of missions in so many ways. And so if you're in the discussion, just type that in. What part of missions have you participated in here at TFRC uh, throughout the years? But uh, missions, um, it's always been a big part of TFRC. Uh, whether it's been through uh, mission trips to places like Dulce, New Mexico, or Ensenada, Mexico, or Enid, Oklahoma, uh, TFRC mission trips, they go back a long, long time, and we've taken dozens and dozens of them throughout the years. Uh, TFRC also has a rich history of making an impact locally. Uh, for years, TFRC was a part of Paint Magic uh, here in the Magic Valley. Uh, TFRC Christmas assistance began in the late 90s and every year since has been blessing families in need with food and gifts during the Christmas season. You know, one couple who has been a part of missions here at TFRC for as long as anybody is uh, Hank and Tiny Boss, and we've asked them to share a bit about missions here at TFRC. Our church in the early 80s was involved in approximately three missions, and today we're involved in 31 missions. So how we have grown, unbelievable. We've been in the mission projects for approximately 35 years. We've spent most of the time at Way Out Ministries in Hawaiian Gardens, California. The work that we did there consists a lot of floor tiles, ceiling tiles, electrical work. Our group uh, met together every morning with short devotions before we had uh, gone to work, which we enjoyed very much. And every year we went back to work on projects as we seen more families attending and getting involved. Another project is right here in Twin Falls, Mustard Seed, which we have been involved with since the opening day. How blessed we are to help out in our community. Working with the missions was very rewarding, but just as rewarding working with our church family on these projects. 
first mission trip to the Aka Outreach Foundation was 2006. Since then, we've gone on a trip every year, and they've taken over 100 individuals, some of them multiple times. McCallie's Home of Future and Hope started in 2007. The blankets in the picture were made by our women's ministry because the kids didn't have any blankets there to go through the winter months that are cold. The next picture is one of our last group trips um, there to McCallie's Home. There's opportunities in the bulletin if you're interested in going sometime in the future. Last year, we did our first summer serve. We blessed a local neighborhood by repairing sidewalks, landscaping, roofing, painting, and other miscellaneous repaired. We had over 200 TFRC volunteers helping to do all the work that day. Through our offerings, we, in addition with local businesses and nonprofits, we were able to invest over $100,000 into that neighborhood. It was such an awesome experience and we were working all together and being the hands and feet of Jesus. Lance Griff has been a part of TFRC for, since he was a kid. Lance and his wife, Chrissy, value missions and they are passing that value down to their kids. because it helps me fulfill the Great Commission that Jesus gave to all his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Missions are also a great way to uh, be an example to my kids of how to love and serve people. One of the ways is through the Summer Serve Project this past summer with a lot of the other members of the church. Another way is through the Sage Women's Center. My wife has volunteered there for many years. Recently, when my son and I went over to Thailand, we thought we would be able to do some amazing things over there, be able to be a blessing to the people uh, by serving and uh, using the talents that God has given us. But in the end, it seemed like we were more blessed spiritually and came back more spiritually full and alive than when we went. And that was just a testament to the amazing things that God did over there and the work that we were able to be a part of while we were there. already mentioned, we also do monthly mission challenge. We um, have local ministries like Valley House, Prison Ministries, and other Christmas programs. We support college ministries throughout Idaho. 13 TFRC members have become full-time missionaries from TFRC here. Four nonprofits have been made from TFRC. In the last five years alone, we have given over 1.3 million to missions. Missions really matter to TFRC. One of our long-term mission partners is Words of Hope. And more recently, we have participated in a couple mission trips with the Persian ministry of Words of Hope. Yeah, the Persian ministry uh, is primarily working with Iranian Christians. Iran, it's a closed country to Christianity, and so we kind of have to be careful uh, what we share here. But Words of Hope, they put conferences together for Iranian Christians. And not going to share too many details about how we do this, like where we go or, or how they put these conferences on. But last year, myself 
and four others of us from TFRC, we joined Words of Hope in facilitating one of these conferences. And to see the faith of these Iranian Christians was inspiring. Uh, and to be able to invest in their faith was an honor. And we did teaching, and we shared our faith stories. We heard some of their faith journeys, and um, we were just able to be encouragements to one another. Uh, and we, we will just never forget them or that experience. Uh, the president of Words of Hope, his name is John Upkenorth, and he's going to share the message with us this morning. And then two men from Words of Hope, uh, Todd and Devin, they were at that conference uh, with us uh, last year, and they're also going to be a part of the message uh, with John and share some of their experiences and reflection, uh, reflections from that conference. Uh, John was a pastor for many years and is a gifted teacher. His message that he's going to share fits very well with our Kingdom of God series. Um, he's also a Green Bay Packer fan, so I know that you're going to enjoy what he has to share with us this morning. Hi friends in Twin Falls. It is so good to be with you on this Inspire Sunday. I wish so bad that I could be with you in person. I was so looking forward to getting to Twin Falls. It's a place where I feel like I know many of you so well already. Anyway, it is good to be with you. My name is John Upgenorth. I'm the president of Words of Hope, one of the many ministries you partner with. And let me just say on behalf of all your ministry partners, and I know many of them are watching today as well, we cannot say thank you enough as people who are recipients of your prayers and of your gifts and of your going. Our text today is in Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 to 38, and I think it's the tradition of Twin Falls to stand. So let's stand together and look at God's Word this morning for a little while. I'll get back so you can see me. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a wonderful mission text, and it's a text I, I love to talk about and speak about. It came home to me in a new way. About a year and a half ago, I was with a leader from India, a man of about 58 years old. We were standing under an apple tree, and I'll tell you that at the end of the message. But for right now, I just want you to, to do three things with this text. Three simple points for Inspire Sunday. <coughs> Excuse me. The first is to see what Jesus sees. The second is to feel what he feels. And then the third is to do what he does. What does Jesus see? What does he feel? What does he say to do? And, and the text is very clearly, Jesus saw the crowds. He sees the crowds. And I, I just think it's important for us sometimes to stop and recognize 
that Jesus is someone who sees not just the crowds, but the people in the crowds. Matthew 9 is full of this, by the way. If you just look back, he he gets into a boat, crosses over to his own city, and immediately gets off. There's this crowd, but he takes time. He sees a man who's being brought to him, a paralytic, by his friends, and Jesus stops. He sees the man. He forgives his sins. He heals his disease. He takes time when he sees the person. Going on from there, he gets to a tax collector's booth. And he sees, this is Levi, Matthew. And he he sees the tax collector. The, The rest of the people see a tax collector. Jesus sees a future follower. He pauses. And he invites Matthew to be a follower of his. He sees. Going on from there, verse 18, Jesus is going through all of these things, and a ruler, a synagogue ruler, comes and says, My daughter has just died, and he invites Jesus to come to the house, and a crowd is gathered. Jesus takes time to see this man, to hear his story. And on the way to the house, maybe you know the story, a little bit later on, he's, he's walking along, and verse 20 says, A woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched his garment. For she said, If I only touch his garment, I may be well. Jesus felt her touch him. He stops, and he heals her. Jesus sees. He goes on from there, and there's two blind men, verse 27. Two blind men followed him, crying, Have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus sees them, and he helps them to see. And and what I want us to see when it says that Jesus sees, is he gives us a great picture. Yes, there's a, a bigness of crowds. Yes, there's a bigness of all the crowd that's coming around him in his home city. But Jesus doesn't miss anyone. And for some of you right now, although this message is about mission, you just need to know that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. He doesn't miss anything. You might be holed up in your house or apartment or condo or mobile home or wherever this day finds you. And you might feel the crushing weight of loneliness from what this virus means for our country to be sort of in quarantine. You might feel like nobody knows where you are, but Jesus knows you. He knows all about your situation, and he cares deeply for you. And I think Jesus is inviting the church to see what he sees. What really counts is the individual, is us being with people, and your church is a part of going to uh, Turkey to be in conferences with Iranian believers. And I asked uh, Todd Schuling, our director of development, to just share a testimony about what it's like for him, a person that he saw and experienced and, and maybe in context of this verse took time to see. I had the pleasure of being with several of these friends uh, last fall at a Persian conference in Istanbul and remember you fondly from that time together. I especially remember the 20 Iranian Christian brothers and sisters that we interacted with for a week. Um, I'm thinking of one of the young ladies there who I still contact weekly and pray for her and talk with her. And, uh, you know, she's an inspiration to me as they go through suffering 
and very difficult times inside of that country. So my interaction with MASA on this regular weekly uh, Skype or Zoom conference, um, she's such a blessing because she's so deep into scriptures. She is constantly sharing scripture verses with me, and we are praying together. We are um, talking about others who have special needs uh, within the Persian community there. And, uh, you know, she came to Christ through her brother at a young age, and over time, um, her parents have come to know the Lord. They were also at a conference in the last year, so we've gotten to meet many of her family members, which has been an inspiration um, just to, to get to know how people have come to know the Lord, both through interactions with family, but also through working and listening to the Words of Hope production. And uh, so it's, it's a joy to be, uh, to be with them. Thanks, Todd, for sharing that. That's C. Jesus sees, and he sees individuals in the crowd. The second thing in the text is Jesus feels. Uh, when he saw the crowds, it says that he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, compassion is a very deep word in Greek. It's not, it's not similar at all in some ways to what we think of when we think of compassion. In English, we have other words, sympathy, which is an emotion of the head, and empathy, which is an emotion of the heart. But compassion is actually quite a bit deeper. It, the Greek word is splachnitsomai or splachna. And it's a word that deals with our stomach or our intestines. And so compassion in the Greek sense is a, is a word that says, Jesus is saying, or the text is saying of Jesus, that his, his, his bowels, his stomach was churning, his bowels were moving. And I don't know about you, but if my stomach is turning and it's going to come up, I am going to find a bathroom very quickly and do something. And so compassion is a deep-seated emotional response to a situation that causes you to act on it. And the text tells us in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus has compassion on the crowd. He feels compassion for them because they're harassed and helpless by sin, as the paralytic of the few first verses was, by disease, his, his broken body, the, the blindness that he experienced, the uncleanness of the woman who's bleeding, the death of the ruler's, uh, of the ruler's child that was dying. And and by the despicableness of the Roman taxation system, Jesus sees them and he's moved by it. The lostness, the brokenness, the uncleanness of it all. And he's going to do something about it. And this young woman uh, just uh, was an amazing person and a even more amazing Christian. And as I spent time with her, uh, I had the opportunity to baptize her. And after her baptism... Uh, the following day was our final day with uh, our friends. And as we were in this space, we were uh, giving hugs and saying our farewells and hope to see you soon and uh, just wishing each other well as we, we went our different ways. And uh, the, the feeling in this time, knowing that these brothers and sisters were going back to this place of isolation, of uh, persecution, uh, was a, a trying time. But in this space, God was moving in unbelievable ways. And as, as we were wrapping up our time together, this woman approached me and 
said thank you to me and farewell, but she said something else that moved me to my very core. And in this moment, she told me that she always thought that the greatest moment of her life would have been the time, that moment, when her son was born. But she said, what you have done for me here, how God has used you in these last four days, has been the greatest moment of my life. For me, that was humbling. It shook me to my core as I thought about that, because I could have never imagined that something that I found to be just another teaching moment turned out to be a teaching moment for me, turned out to be a moment in which I saw God move in extraordinary ways, in ways I've never seen before. And I came home from this trip, and I found myself being quite quiet and reserved. And my wife would ask me questions like, are you okay? What, what's changed? What's so different? Why are you not speaking? And she almost grew frustrated with me. And finally, the, the only thing I could say was there are no words to describe how I saw God moving in those moments. That in those moments, God was so focused in on the people that were there that I, I, I just could not explain that experience. I have never felt what I felt in those moments. There were no words for me to put that experience, or there was no way I could put that experience into words. I couldn't share with her the magnitude for how God was moving. God is indeed compassionate, and He can shake us to the core. He can humble us in unbelievable ways. So we see what Jesus sees. We feel what Jesus feels. And then he invites us to do what he says. He, he sees all of this. And it'd be easy for him to be discouraged or to maybe wonder, God, what were you thinking? But he sees something deeper. He says to his disciples in verse 37, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. What do you think of when you think of harvest? You live in Idaho, and Idaho grows all kinds of good fruit and vegetables. Um, you're in Idaho, and there's all kinds of wonderful farms that produce amazing things. A year and a half ago, I was in Traverse City, Michigan, a place in our state that's called Old Mission Peninsula. It's famous for growing cherries and now grape vineyards that produce wine, but also apples. And I was driving up there with a colleague from India. We were going to speak at a church. The apples were heavy on the trees. And um, the man's name is Dr. A.K. Lama, and he's 58 years old. We're driving past these orchards, and he says to me, John, what, what are these? And I said, those are apples on trees. He goes, ah, of course he had eaten apples. He's, I've never seen an apple on a tree. You have to stop and, 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 and help, and let me take a picture from my wife. So, all right, whatever, we'll, we'll pull onto this yard. So we pull onto this little orchard, and a guy comes out of the house. He's kind of gruff, kind of angry, kind of short. What do you want? And I say to him, my friend is 58 years old. He's from the country of India. He's never seen an apple on a tree. Can we take a picture of him underneath one of your trees? And, and the man 
lightened up a little bit and said, you can on one condition. What's that? I want you to promise me that you'll eat at least one apple. I said, well, what kind are they? And he said, they're Honeycrisp. And I said, AK, they're Honeycrisp apples. In our stores in Michigan, those are the, the most expensive, tastiest, sweetest, crispest apples that you've ever had. So we go to the tree and, and um, boy, we were like little kids in a candy shop. The, the, the apples just sort of flicked off the tree in our hands and we started to eat one and then another. And, and it, you know, have you ever had a Honeycrisp apple at harvest time? It is out of this world. There's juice dripping down on our shirts and we're just kind of like little kids having a great time. And, and then I looked down and around every one of the trees, there were bushels and bushels of battered and bruised apples. And I said to the orchard grower, I said, what happened? He said, yesterday, 50 mile an hour winds ripped through our orchard. We think we lost half our crop. Suddenly I realized why he was a little gruff when we stepped onto his yard. The man had just lost half his crop. Once an apple falls from the tree, it can't enter the supermarket produce aisle. And in that moment, this text showed up in two ways for me about what harvest is. Harvest is, first of all, about opportunity. When we are at work doing the work that God calls us to do, praying for the harvesters, and in Matthew 10, he sends out the 12 into the harvest to actually do the work of ministry. Harvest is about opportunity. It's about today is the day when... when, when, when when the root fruit is ripe, there's nothing like it in the world, is there? When these Iranian brothers and sisters come to these conferences and seven of them in February got baptized, I forgot how many back in October, I think nine were baptized, one after the other after the other. It's like the, the fruit is just dropping off the tree and we get to be a part of it. We see what God is doing. Uh, right now in the con continent of Africa, the country of Uganda, some of the groundwork that we laid last fall is right now producing so much fruit. The church doesn't know how to keep up with the amount of people that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Harvest is about opportunity. God is sending us out at a moment in our world when people are hungry for the truth and for the gospel. They want to know, who is this Jesus? And so we have the answer. We have the hope that the world desperately needs. It's time for the church to live like never before because we have a living hope that is given to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is a privilege for us to share that to the ends of the earth, friends. In that moment, there's a second thing about harvest. It's about opportunity, about all the fruit that God wants to bring in, but it's also about urgency. We don't know when the wind is going to come and half the crop will be lost. Now, we know all things are in God's hands and we trust Him for the future. But right now, we're living in a world where we don't know how far and wide this virus is going to spread. What we do know is that God has given us an opportunity in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our networks online, in our digital distribution of the gospel globally to share and to send the hope of Jesus Christ like never before. We don't know when it's going to end. 
there's a sense of urgency about it. Because we know that in this life, it's the one thing that we will not do in heaven is we will not be sharing the hope of Jesus with people who don't yet know him. We won't be uh, serving the poor and the needy, the impoverished, the, the people who suffer injustice in heaven. This is our day. And we don't know how COVID-19 is going to play out. The disciples didn't know how it would play out after the resurrection. I love, I love how they're staring off into heaven in the book of Acts, wondering, where'd Jesus go? And the angel says, well, why are you here? He told you what to do. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to do. But yet we do know what to do. Jesus tells us, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out harvesters. In chapter 10, if the disciples were paying attention to what he said, he tells them, go out and do it. Tells them in chapter 10 to go out and heal the sick, cast out demons, even raise the dead. So I don't know how God will lead you to respond to this. Uh, you can visit wordsofhope.org, W-O-H.org, uh, to learn more about what we do. Right now, there'd be all kinds of mission stuff going on around your church, and that's going to return someday. This afternoon, I think I'm going to be visiting with an interview with all of you. If you want to join us for that, uh, there'll be information about that as well. But friends, right now is the time for us to take advantage of the moment God has called us to be a part of. We didn't choose to live during the days of COVID-19, but just like Esther in the Old Testament, her uncle Mordecai said, for such a time as this, God has brought her to that position. And God has brought you to such a time as this for the world in which we live. So let's do it together. Let's see what Jesus sees, feel what he feels, and do what he says. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I uh, love what John said when he talked about uh, see what Jesus saw, feel what Jesus felt, do what Jesus says. There's great kingdom of God stuff there. Missions hasn't skipped a beat, and we have so much more ahead of us. COVID-19 caught the world by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. God is still in control. A couple weeks ago, we collected offering, and you gave over $18,000 to support COVID-19 response. You know, and that's a really big deal. Thank you again uh, for your generosity. But your generosity has made a huge difference in how we could help uh, respond locally uh, to the COVID-19 stuff that's going on all around us. We were able to donate 5000 to Mustard Seed to help them with additional needs for the virus. TFRC distributed 225 food boxes, helping over 750 people. We've been able to donate weekly to the Senior Citizens Center. We were also able to distribute sanitizers to Mustard Seed, Valley House, and the Senior Citizens Center. We were able to show our appreciation to the hospital employees by writing personal thank you notes and giving them a small gift. Um, and I just want to point something. So you gave small gifts to hospital employees, which happens to be across the street. Um, how many... Uh, employees did you get gifts for? So we were able to do 309 to, to the hospital employees. 309 hospital employees and you said that you wrote personal notes along with the gifts. Um, how did you how did you write that many personal notes? So 
we have so many amazing volunteers at our church, but uh, how it worked was we got volunteers that were at home um, writing notes as families. And we also were able to get volunteers that were working with our food boxes here to sit down and take some time and write a personal note. And so collectively, we were able to do that and put these really small gifts together with just some snacks and some little things so they would have at the hospital while they were working. No, that is really cool. And if you happen to be one of those people who helped uh, write one of those notes, I just want to say thanks. That is so cool uh, that we were just able to show a little appreciation in the hospital that way. That's awesome. Um, you know, this year, Christy mentioned uh, earlier about um, our summer serve, and this year we're going to have our second annual summer serve where we will invest in a neighborhood in the Magic Valley. Uh, we're hoping to pick someone who maybe has been impacted by COVID-19. Uh, the tentative date for that is August 1. Uh, more information will be coming as we see how the shutdown um, affects our plans. Uh, if you know a homeowner that maybe needs a helping hand, just let us know, let Christy know, and just be praying for Christy and her team as they prepare for summer serve. But that's coming this summer. Earlier in the service, Pastor Chuck mentioned about the TFRC After Hours. And this is a Facebook live streaming event with John Austin, John Opkin-North, and myself at 4 p.m. We're going to talk about the Persian ministry and the future trip that John Austin will lead. And we're also going to have some question and answer time for you. So please join us at 4 p.m. on the TFRC Facebook page. And last, there's a link in the comments to our mission book that lists all our mission partners and how you can personally connect with them. They have been in our Facebook live stream with us, so hopefully you've had the ability to connect with them a little bit there. I want to leave you with this challenge. Post on social media which mission partner that you're going to connect with through prayer, finances, or volunteering. I believe that the amazing plan of God is if we all connect where we feel led, all the needs will be covered. Our legacy is teaching and sharing the mission of God locally to the ends of the earth and everywhere in between, and that's not going to change. So let's be a church that disciples to all the nations. Hey, we want to close our service with a blessing. And so if you have kids in your home, uh, I would just encourage you to gather your families together and go ahead and, and stand up to receive God's blessing. Um, we have a prayer wall here at church. And if you would like to email us a prayer that you, we could put in the wall for you, we'd just love to do that. You can email me, uh, Pastor John, uh, or the church office, and we'll make sure that gets in there for you. And then just a, a last quick reminder about that TFSC after hours where Pastor John and John Upkenorth and Christy will be uh, on Facebook Live at 4 p.m. Just really encourage you uh, to be a part of that as well. But receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.